Good morning. August 15, 2023. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it is always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection. Believe the gospel, my friends. It's going to be an interesting campaign for 2024. For those of you all who are still participating and still consuming the news, President Trump received his fourth indictment yesterday out of the state of Georgia. We'll jump into that here in a little bit. But I just want to point out the fact that this is going to be a presidential campaign that is unlike any other presidential campaign in my lifetime that I can remember. When have you ever had such a charismatic, electric, attention-getting candidate like President Trump and all the others seem to pale in comparison? Now, clearly my bias is for President Trump, and we'll talk about that too. We'll investigate that and where that's at. But this is going to be a can this is going to be a courtroom campaign. The courtroom campaign is all going to be about President Trump. No one will really care about the policies of this guy or that guy. And so already here the very first idea, you are already witnessing politics that's different. Something's different about this one. And we can talk about 2020 and we should, the elections. We can talk about the lockdowns, the jabs, and all the psyop and all the things that people are going to say. Fundamentally, though, this is one's going to this one this campaign. The eyes and the ears, the minds of the American people, are going to be dragged through courtrooms, evidences, testimonies, optics, expectations. See, normally the campaign hinges on the election, hinges on the vote. But now you're going to have this sequence. You're going to have this this campaign where it's a sequence of courtroom battles. The judge ruled for the exhibit, or the jury voted down the motion, or the lawyers filed the things to say the stuff. This is a courtroom drama. Matlock, Perry Mason, all of these historical lawyers, all of these fictitious lawyer accounts are going on and I want to draw a distinction the distinction that I'm going to draw is that the subtext of all of this is begging the question of the law what is the law because already your bias has been formed politics in our nation is entertainment this is why you had people like Rush Limbaugh this is why you have a gazillion podcasts right now in fact, if you want to uh, support me, the links are in the description below. I will make a quick pitch to say, take the shopping that you're already doing and switch it over to American Manufacturing at patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Keeps the lights on. If you don't do it, it goes like this. So keep the lights on. Amen. Patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. I appreciate that. There's other ways to support. The links are in the description. Please consider doing that. God bless you. But the reason why there's so many people speaking about politics is that this is our entertainment. Especially for conservatives and Christians who no longer look to Hollywood because they're pedophile tra child traffickers. So now the entertainment, the, the, uh, the, the gladiator arena, is what candidate is going to advance your values, champion our values, and pass the legislation. We have such a fundamental misunderstanding of the law. And I believe that that has been exploited. Our fear, our greed, our anger, all of those emotions have been wrangled in the normal, what is now the normal political constructs. The right and the left, the radical left is destroying the country. These mantras, these are tropes designed to do nothing but to invoke and, and stroke the basic limbic system, the, the back part, fundamental part of your brain that doesn't really use reason. We're not talking prefrontal cortex, executive high, high functioning. We're talking about the basics of your brain, the, the, the anger, the greed, the jealousy, the fear. That's what politics is. And so you've got this whole nation, whatever side you're on, curated to be you know engaged not in the in not up here in the cerebral cortex where you can think about stuff and your this is your reasoning not here but they engage through the optics the eyes and the ears for the key terrain of the mind and the key terrain has been this this basic limbic system this this uh basic primal part of your brain so now you've got politics 
using anger and fear, shifting now to a courtroom. This is a battlefield that hasn't been tilled. This is a pathway to the White House that's never been done before. Think about that. You have the same emotions, the same expectations, the same understanding of right and left, and now you're going to displace that from the campaign trail and the retail politics and the rallies and all that stuff, which is what Trump did in 2016. He'd land his plane, he'd have his name on the side of it, and then he'd have big, massive crowds. So the Trump rallies changed retail politics, changed presidential politics. It was no longer the bus tours, it was now the plane stops, it was the destinations, it was the Trump rallies. So that was the innovation to the business of politics, to the business, the industry of campaigning for political power which was what Trump was doing as a showman and a businessman in 2016. Never done it before, captured the attention, and there you go. And here you have, in 2024, I believe that Trump is, again, going to be in the forefront of people's brains because they're displacing the campaign and they're putting it into a courtroom. But what is so very interesting to me about that is that now it's engaging a different part of our people's brains. I believe that most people don't understand the law. They don't know the common law. They don't know the Constitution. You can get those links in the description below for free, by the way. But people all have this understanding. They all have this Hollywood-designed, mantra-trope way of thinking about courts and lawyers and attorneys and judges. And now that's going to be collided. It's going to be it's going to be paired with politics. It's never been done before. Never been done before. And so here here's here's my point that I want to get at. Because most people will be deferential and they don't know the law, they will look to the experts to tell them what the law is. And when Trump and his people go through the courtrooms telling people, here's the facts, here's the stuff, here's the things. It's going to be a very direct pathway to a previously unde undefended part of people's brains that are going to be presenting them things that they've never heard, that they would have had a political bias against. But now that it's being done in a courtroom, they're going to be like, well, I don't really know how to say anything about that because I'm not an attorney and I don't know stuff. This, of course, speaks to the Q subtext. How else do you introduce evidence in public? So you could say that this is a plan. You could say that this is going according to plan. You could say all this stuff. That's not what I think is the most important issue. The most important issue that I'm getting at is that if you're going to take the presidential politics and you're going to put it in a courtroom, why wouldn't you want to know what the law is? And that's what I want to speak to. I want to speak to question begging the law. Because yesterday, I believe that there were people that were fraudulent, corrupt, people that are godless commies. Fannie Willis, this district attorney out of Georgia, I believe that she's a godless commie. And she's doing this stuff against Trump. We'll play a couple of videos to show the just facial recognition, just the, the, the biofeedback. And of course, I'm biased because I recognize that the district attorney is doing a politically opportunistic thing for her to go against Trump. So I recognize that. And then I have bias against the charges she brought. And I also recognize, as we'll say, that the grand jury results were released to the public before the grand jury ever took the vote to indict President Trump. So there's just a bunch of corruption going on, but first we'll go to the video. Go ahead, Fanny. The indictment alleges that rather than abide, abide by Georgia's legal process for election challenges, the defendants engaged in a criminal racketeering enterprise to overturn Georgia's presidential election results. Subsequent to the indictment, as is the normal process in Georgia law, the, the grand jury issued arrest warrants for those who are charged. I am giving the defendants the opportunity to voluntarily surrender no later than noon on Friday, the 25th day of August, 2023. I remind everyone here that an indictment is only a series of allegations based on a grand jury's determination of probable cause to support the charges. It is now the duty of my office to prove these charges in the indictment beyond a reasonable doubt at trial.
Yeah, and I think she'll lose. There's a couple things that she'll say. Who was it that brought about the grand jury? Grand juries don't just happen. They're impaneled. They're impaneled either by the order of a judge, or by a district attorney, or by the people. So which one was it that brought together that grand jury to look at those indictments, to look at those charges? It's probably her. So if she's saying, oh, this is probable cause, and they looked at the evidence, she's the one that I believe her office, her, her or her office, concluded that they had sufficient grounds to Trump and everybody else. And notice she says, I will give them until next Friday to sub surrender. I want to say something. Get your emotions out of this. Because you're looking at this and you're going, she's fraud, she's corrupt, she hates Trump. True. All of those things. If she has been granted the authority to invade and have jurisdiction over the private people and invade their Bill of Rights to bring them into her realm, where did she get that power? And if she is the district attorney, got that because she's a county official, and the county got that power from the legislature, and the legislature got that power from the Constitution, the Constitution got that power from who? The people. So if a district attorney is able to say, I'm going to confer charges and bring you into my jurisdiction, the people can do that too. If she can do it, the people can do it. Whatever the government can do, the people can do. Because there's nothing that the government can do that it hasn't been granted the power to do. And who grants the government power? The people. Interesting. Just keep that in the back of your head. Now, this Trump indictment brings on a whole bunch of people. There's all sorts of people. There's Trump. These are just the charges on Trump. Violation of Georgia Rico. They're charging him with racketeering. Solicitation of violation of oath of office by public officer, false statements, writings, solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, all these other things. There's so much stuff going on. I believe it's fraudulent. I believe it's stupid. Because here's an example. This is one example. This is Act 140. Saying, on or about January 6, 2021, Donald J. Trump placed a telephone call to Vice President Mike Pence and solicited him to disrupt and delay the joint session of Congress by January 6, 2021, the day prescribed by law for vote, blah, 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 blah. When Pence refused, Donald John Trump said that Pence would, quote, go down as a wimp. <laughs> and that Pence was not protecting the United States, which is an overact of further furtherance of conspiracy. Uh, so I think it's funny. <laughs> I think it's funny. Um, but, there, you know, there's others. There's others. This is where Trump is tweeting and he's now a conspirator. So Trump tweets on December on December 3rd. He said, Georgia hearings now on at own amazing. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. This, These are the charges. These are the allegations that her government, her district attorney powers are being used against the uh, president of the United States. Now there will be people who hear this, and in the next segment, I'm going to be talking about I'm going to talk about a prominent podcaster who has a black pill, a doomsaying, uh, a defeatist attitude about the state of things. There will be people saying, "Well, this is the weaponization of the DOJ. This is the politicization of the justice system," and of course, it is. But this gets to my point. This is a courtroom campaign. Are we in America? so stupid and lazy and indulgent and idolatrous that we don't want to pursue the truth that we are just being fed these things and we don't ever look at what the law is i want to look this next segment at what claimers versus complainers and we will look at what the election laws are we will actually go through what the constitution says and we will distinguish between the people who do their homework and the people who just riff and then you got to think, if they're just riffing, why do they have the biggest platform? The people who are giving you information that helps you and gives you back your power are not the ones that are listened to. They're not the ones that are promoted. They're not the ones that actually help you save the nation or use your power as God gave it to you. Why? Because it does not facilitate these things. I want to turn the guns, metaphorically, if I can. I want to turn the guns on Trump's attorneys. 
This is Trump's attorneys. This is a statement from him, uh, from his attorneys. The events have unfolded today have been shocking and absurd, starting with the leak of a presumed and premature indictment before a witness had testified to the grand juries, grand jurors, had deliberated and ended with the district attorney being unable to offer any explanation. In light of this major fumble, the Fulton County District Attorney's Office clearly decided the force or to force through and rush this 98-page indictment. This one-sided grand jury presentation relied on witnesses who harbor their own personal and political interests, some of whom ran campaigns touting their efforts against the accused and or profited from book deals and employment opportunities as a result. We look forward to a detailed review of this indictment, which is undoubtedly just as flawed and unconstitutional as this entire process has been. And then it lists out the uh, Drew Finling, Jennifer Litter, and Marissa Goldberg. Now, I want to say this. There was no law argument there. None. That was a statement. And the statement was highly politicized, highly emotional, highly biased, which is fine. They're representing Trump. You want them to be able to push out the message. My point is that Americans don't understand the law. And so if politics is now migrating into the courtroom, people aren't actually understanding what the truth is, which means that you will be prone to more vulnerable and emotional you know, appeals. You will be exploited in your emotions because of your stupidity in the law. And now that things are moving to the courtroom, people will be even more tribalistic in, well, that's not true, and that's not evidence, and you can't do that, and that's the thing. Because no one knows that stuff. All you know is Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. All you know is Matlock with his seersucker suit eating his hot dogs with the occasional appearance of Don Knotts. All you know is Perry Mason asking a question and then the one person completely spills the beans. That's all we know. Because that's all we've been told. The Lincoln lawyer. All, you know, it's, uh, that's all we've been told. You know, uh, a, a few good men. We've been given a Hollywood version of the law. And so whenever our politics, which is inherently biased and inherently emotional, has been reduced to get you to your pride and your fear and your greed and, and the, the most primal parts of our uh, you know, emotions, now you're going to take that to the courtroom and try to present evidence to people who don't know the law and whose version of the law is stupid Hollywood productions. And here you have the attorneys aren't even arguing what the law is. They're setting up their defense, and this is where President Trump needs prayers. His lawyers are setting up the, the, the defense that people are biased against Trump. They say, well, they have other interests and they have other agendas. Of course they do, but that ain't a defense. Bias against you is not a defense. If the district attorney wants to charge political crimes, they are perfectly allowed to do that because they have that office and they can do that. Now, a defense would be the court can't be prejudicial, which means if President Trump, and this is what I would argue, if President Trump wants to assert his rights, I've got this freedom of speech. Here's my freedom of speech, judge. And the judge is like, well, we're here to charge the crime of you know, subsection 77 alpha paragraph three of this Georgia criminal statutes. That right there, it's, well, the court is looking at this subject matter. Well, Trump's got this right. That guaranteed right is accepted from government and government statutes can't trump it. <laughs> no, uh, no pun intended. You can't be prejudicial. That's a non prejudice You can't be prejudicial against Trump. But his attorneys aren't arguing stuff like that. His attorneys aren't arguing free speech. They're not arguing the law. They're discrediting the other side, which is just politics. The right, the left, the radical left. It's politics in another form. Now it's in the courtroom. And so people have been trained in politics to think the radical left is destroying the country. Conservatives just want to go to war. These things, you, my body, my choice. All of these mantras, all of these tropes have now been displaced and put into the courtroom. And that's what's going to be going on in 2024. But I'm over here going, why don't you learn the law? The ba we're begging the question in the law to look at what is the, the, the basics of the, of the nation. And Trump's lawyers aren't talking like that. And I think that that's wrong. I think that is a disservice to the country. If you're going to bring in things into the courtroom, whether this was the Q plan or the conspiracy or whatever, however you want to say that this is actually how it 
you know, is being rolled out, or if it's just the politicization of the DOJ and all this stuff. Whatever. However, it's manifesting, which I think that this is the this is this is the administrative my take. This is the administrative state taking advantage of blended branches of government. They've blended the legislature with the executive and now the judicial. They've blended it all together in the administrative state. It's the Leviathan. It is the technocracy. It is the tyranny that our founders you know, worried about. They, they fought against. They took the crown off King George's head and they broke, they broke the crown and scattered it. And then they created a frame of government, legislative, executive, judicial, that cannot cohabitate. They can't collaborate. They can't compromise. They can't use each other's powers. But that is exactly what's going on. And so instead of making law arguments, you make political arguments. Political arguments in an unlawful court, an administrative court, is going to lose. It's going to lose. Because that, that administrative court is not predicated on the law, and the law that exists for justice is not being administered in the administrative court. So you've got a Leviathan judge that is functioning as a lawmaker because he's legislating from the bench. He's, he's, he's acting as a judge, wielding that judicial power to adjudicate matters. And he's functioning as an executive because now he's able to carry out the order. He's able to dictate. This is a corruption of our Constitution. This is a fundamental uh, you know, attack on America. And it's happening in broad daylight. And people aren't using the words to express that. And I think that's because primarily we've been made stupid. Public schools, Hollywood, bad mantras. Our politics have been reductive. And because we've been so thoroughly debased and idiocratic, you know, we've been made into the movie of idiocracy, we don't have the words to talk about this. That was Trump's attorneys. Here is Trump's other attorney. What's her name? Alina Haba. Responding about the fact that they have insider information. Now that the indictments are out, the Trump people have insider information. And for the Q people, for the behind the scenes, nothing can stop what's coming people. They, they, they jump on this and say, oh, insider information. But if it's a corrupt system, you're not arguing the law and you're in the administrative process, how do you think that you're gonna get remedy if you're not actually arguing what the law is? Go ahead. Does President Trump know that this is a perilous threat? We do not agree that it is a perilous threat because we actually have inside information. So I love when people, what, what you know, inside information? well, the inside information, Steve, and, and you know, you used to love Trump, but that, I, know, I gotta tell you, I have confidentiality and I have ethics and, so and I'm gonna continue, but I think you need to understand something. When somebody is given a report and he has reports, that show that there was interference. And you could be advised by one lawyer that says, oh, I don't think so, and you could have another lawyer that says, no, I do think so. And here's some reports, and we know that there were issues in Fulton County, we, right? We know, it's not a question. There was election issues, and the integrity of our election is in question at this very moment. Um, and when he says, I wanna look into it, I don't trust it, we need to look into it, that's his obligation as a president, okay? Look at, Letitia James, for instance, Steve. Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, stood up on a podium, who's suing the Trump Organization, and said, President Trump is an illegitimate president. Now, is she gonna get criminally charged? What about Hillary Clinton? Every day, she said. You know, it's interesting when you Yeah, see, see that's a good point, but the issue is not the fact that someone else says stuff and they don't get charged. The issue is that President Trump has the right to say what he said. See, it is this constant, well, they're, they're doing this to me, but if it was done to the left, if the Republicans did that, if the left did, this is a stupid way of thinking. And so God bless her. I'm sure she's smart and qualified, and I want her to help Trump, and I want him to win and be supported and whatnot, but this is dumb. This is dumb. To say that Hillary Clinton isn't getting charged, that Letitia James, who campaigned to go against Trump, isn't having something bad happen to her. Those aren't arguments in the law. Those aren't law arguments. Those are political arguments. 
Political being about people, being about opinions, being about emotions, being about the temperament of people. And so the more godless you become, the more temperamental your politics, which is why it's all about fear and anger and scarcity and greed. So fear and anger and scarcity and greed are governing our politics. And now you're taking our political campaigns in 2024 and you're putting them in the courtroom. What do you think will be the courtroom's decorum? What do you think the arguments will be in the in the courtroom? Well, we have this report. How about the fact that President Trump just swears, I was expressing my free of speech. And everybody in government swore to agree that I have the freedom of speech. Done. Game over. Game over. And there will be people, and I think rightly so, that people acting in their political capacity, in their public office, don't have freedom of speech. I agree with that, by the way. If you have the hat of public office on and you are functioning in the office when you're speaking, I don't think that you've got free speech unless you're debating like on the floor of the house and everything. But if the president comes out and he says, this is wrong, we need to look into it, you're advocating truth. You're advocating, um, you know, verifying and, and, and you're advocating truth and investigation into something. Even if, even if it were reversed and it was Obama making these arguments, he's advocating, validating, and auditing the vote. Why is that bad? I mean, like, the abundance of caution should be how you steward power. Because power granted isn't just willy-nilly given. It is strictly interpreted. And so these people aren't even making arguments. They're not even arguing what the law is. And here's President Trump. God bless him. He's coming out and he's saying, well, there's a conclusive report. A large, complex, detailed, but irrefutable report. A report isn't sworn testimony. A report isn't evidence. A report is not a witness statement. It's, 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 in a, it's an accumulation of potentially an expert co composing and compiling observable phenomena. But you're going to say that this report is evidence. It's only evidence if the report itself was used in a decision making. I used this report to make my decision. Okay, now the report is evidence. But a report that people compile that says, here's what's happening, those are just observable phenomena unless the author of that report swears under penalty of perjury and says everything in it is true. But they won't do that. They will swear about the report. Or they will explain it like, I can't recall, or that's not the right thing. All of this willy-nilly dicey language, lawyer language, is because people don't want to put their neck in the noose. People don't want to swear to the truthfulness of their claims. And because they don't swear to the truthfulness of their claims, the law that's happening isn't law. It's charades. And so the courtroom campaign that's setting up in 2024 isn't about the law. It should be. The law would crush this. President Trump used his right to free speech. President Trump was exercising the duties of the executive office by stewarding the, the laws of the land, which is literally the oath. He will uphold, support, and defend the Constitution without purpose of evasion or mental, uh, without purpose of evasion or mental reservation. Hey, I think those elections are messed up. Can we look into that? Why is that a conspiracy? Even if you disagree with him, even if he's the most godless commie tyrant dictator and he's saying, I don't like that, let's validate. Okay, validate. Get the truth. Why are we hiding from it? Why are we running from it? We're not doing the law. It begs the question what the law is. And because of that, we have, we have the emotional politics as now being transformed into the courtroom. The courtroom is going to suck up all the attention. I believe it will benefit Trump politically. I think people will look at this and they'll say, this is stupid, this is wrong, we support Trump. The bad part is, and I'm calling my shot years from now, when Trump leaves politics, there is no one like him. And because no one will be like him, if you do not teach the people what the fundamentals, law, fundamentals of, of law are, if you do not teach the people what their nation is and what power they have, if you are over-reliant on a salvation figure like Trump, you are just kicking the can down the road to be exploited later on. That's why I get worked up about this. I want President Trump to be president. There's stuff I disagree with him on, clearly. Vaccines, um, the, the, the buyouts, the, the homosexual support, you know, stuff like that. Like, I, there's stuff I completely disagree with him on. But the man is going to war with the deep state. The man is going to war with the godless commies. And he makes horrible decisions about the people around him. But he's put everything on the line to do it. 
So, you know, I, 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 give, I give him incredible grace. I've never been in that position. And obviously, I, I try to announce my bias, but this is stupid. This is stupid. You're taking politics, reductive politics, greed, anger, malice, uh, wrath, uh, fear. You're taking that, you're putting it into the courtroom, and you're not going to be arguing the law. His lawyers aren't arguing the law. They're arguing bias, they're arguing prejudice, and they're saying, well, this is just dumb. He could do this because of a report. And it's like, you're not, you're, you're, you're missing, you're missing the fundamentals. And because you miss the fundamentals, the people aren't going to learn. And if the people don't learn, they don't know. And if they don't know, they don't do. So Trump's going to win. He's going to be president. And then after him, you're going to have people that are still stupid in the law still don't understand their political power and will be subject and oppressed by whoever's after Trump. I want to remind you of what I talked about yesterday, the Agent Smith effect. I actually like this. The Agent Smith effect, just to clarify, in the movie The Matrix, Agent Smith has the ability to enter any body at any time, and that often happens when the Matrix is threatened by Neo. This scenario is a reflection of our real world. For example, you're having a conversation with a friend and everything is fine until you mention something like, quote, 9-11 was an inside job. Now watch what happens. Up pops Agent Smith. To replace the person you were just having a conversation with to attack you because all truths threaten the Matrix. Most people have had that Agent Smith programming since birth. These programmed people become the guardians of the Matrix, protectors of the code, the police of mind control, and enforcers of the indoctrination, which holds together our false concept of reality like superglue. Now, again, I said yesterday there are things about this that I don't like, the Buddhist presuppositions, the Gnostic undertones, but I think it's a useful situation to identify people's presuppositions that whenever you prick their bias and you disagree with them in such a fundamental way, they will they will, they will will change and they will take away from what you were talking to and they will switch over. Now, it happens to me too. I have my bias. You have your bias. We all have our bias. So these are very interesting times to identify what is fundamentally believed. And I think that's critical. I'd like to, if I can't, move on to someone who is a prominent podcaster might be able to nuke me because he owns a share of the service I'm streaming on, but it's Dan Bongino. As I'm prepping for my uh, my show and, and doing the stuff to rumble today, I see this thumbnail. Dan Bongino with President Trump and the title, The Republic is Dead. Now, I don't know Dan. I don't know his people. I don't know him. I don't watch his stuff. Um, but that's just stupid. Telling people the Republic is dead, that's blackpilling. And if this is what we're going to take as the snapshot of what conservative media is, is, is advancing, that's a fear base. That's a scarcity perspective. You're not arguing the law. You're not saying what's true. You're just saying, oh, look, stuff sucks. Oh, look, the Republic's dead. Oh, look, the Republic's over. Because one county DA... Well, I should say four. Four district attorneys are now indicting one man with crimes that he hasn't even gone to court yet, that we don't even have the verdict of, and you want to say the Republic is dead? This is sensationalism. This is overture that strikes right at the heart of who you are as an American and the fundamental beliefs you hold about our nation. And if you let this voice in through your head and he's able to complain about the country, oh, this is bad, this is bad, this is cursed, this is cursed, this is bad, all these things are, oh man, everything's gonna blow up. Did you see the direct energy weapons blowing up Hawaii? Did you see all the things? Oh man, everything's bad. Buy my pillows, promo code, whatever. It's like you're, 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 you're stoking the fear of people you're not edifying them. You're not building them up. You're actually making them weaker. So I want to talk about the difference between complainers and claimers. Complainers could be construed of what did I do. People on the internet with audiences in microphones talking about the stuff that they think. And the general hook is the fact that if I can get you mad, if I can get you angry, if I can say you're about to lose something that you value, the primal part of your brain, psychologically, you will say, I'm mad, let me fight back. Or I like what I have, let me keep it. How can I keep what I have? Oh, you can keep what you have by going to my promo codes. 
go to this promo code and help me financially and then while you're helping me financially that will actually help you keep what I have opportunistically told you you're about to lose this is the nature of sales this is the nature of things it's also the nature of conservative politics now listen I'll be straight this is my job I would love for you to support me there's links in the description you can do that <laughs> like, I would love for that to happen I would love to be able to provide for my family and do what it is that I do because I happen to think I'm awesome at it the problem is if you're not edifying people if you're not equipping people if you're not benefiting them you're hurting them and telling people the the republic is dead ain't helping nobody but yet that's the message that you can see is watched 168,000 views 168,000 people on rumble are hearing that message and the message that's being poured over them and washed over their hearts that's molding their minds and directing their paths is the republic is dead and if I were to tell you no it's not you would have you would now demand of me a higher burden than what Bongino just put out oh, the republic's dead and now if you go through your life going man we're losing so much culture's so bad we've lost our country what happened to our country what happened what happened you've been made to be a complainer you've been forged in the fires of complaining promo code podcasters telling you stuff sucks instead of going to war and here's how to do it and as a result you go around Oh man, this is bad. Did you see the thing that sucks? Oh yeah, I saw that too. Your news feeds are algorithmically programmed to get you pissed off. And when you're pissed off and you hate stuff and stuff is bad and you're losing, you don't think as though you're free. You don't think about who's the king. You don't think about what his edicts are. You don't think about the law. And I want to show it to you. I want to show it to you. This is President Trump's lawyer. Again, Ali Alina Haba. Alina Haba, she says this, she says this, let me play this and uh, commentary follows. Here she is. Pre then President Trump picked up the phone, called Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. The audio recording, he didn't tell the investigator, go find the fraud. He, he, when we saw the transcript, correct us if I'm wrong, he urged scrutiny of the ballots in Fulton County, asserting they would find dishonesty there. That's what he was saying. He was saying, he didn't say, go find votes for me to win. He was saying, scrutinize it to get integrity into the vote count. Is that what Trump's counter defense is going to be? right. Well, look, we don't know the defense until we see the charges. Every charge has its own defense, right? But I will tell you, absolutely. I think you're being very astute in what you're saying. It's absolutely accurate to say that, to, as I mentioned before, executive branch, for the executive branch, the sole member of the executive branch to be concerned about the integrity of this country's elections, which is the single most important thing in democracy. When it comes to us versus third world countries, what do we have that they don't? Fair trial fair trials fair elections and the ability to go vote and vote accurately we saw things come out we know there were issues in ballot boxes we know there's voter fraud happening in states these aren't assumptions we've seen it and things come out so for the president to stay on a call with lawyers by the way on the call that we're on both sides and say look this is just what i need or, or you know you can read the transcript for yourself this, he's not saying go find that. He's saying you need to look. You need to look at what's going on. You need to check and make sure everything is accurate. That's his obligation. Got it. In my opinion, that's his obligation as an American and as the president. Yeah, amen. Uh, but let's play, uh, well, well, we'll play that advocate here in a little bit. Notice what she said at the very beginning. So I believe you have a hostile media, in this case an anti-Trump media, to the idea. So the media person is framing the question designed to make President Trump look guilty from the outset so that anything that you say afterwards is, you know, evasive or squirrely or suspicious. Miss, what's her name? Haba? Haba? Alina? Was her name? Haba. Alina Haba. Miss Alina Haba then goes on to say every charge has its own defense. And this is where I want to be very clear. I want to be very clear because people just don't know this government is a public trust whenever you say that every charge has its own defense what did you just do 
you just granted that there is a lawful presumption to the charges brought against you. Does that make sense? Whenever someone charges you, whenever the government says that you've committed a crime, here's an attorney being paid by President Trump, and she literally says every charge has its own defense. Not every charge is constitutional. Not every charge is lawful. There may be things the government presumes and the government does. The government can bring you into what it calls a court. And it cannot be a court of record. It can be not a court of justice or law. But it functions like a court. And they don't have to tell you that it's not a court. And so if they do that to you, hello, Child Protective Services. Hello, tax court. Hello, these other things. These statutory creatures are not the things where your rights are, are, are looked at. And so if the government can do that, and it does, well then does that mean the everything the government does is lawful? I want to look at this. I want to actually, and, and this, this is why you can't listen to people when they say the republic is dead. Because she said that we're a democracy. No, ma'am, you're wrong. We are not a democracy. We have democratic elements because there is a notion of people, you know, engaging, but we are a republic. A republic is a form of government of which its affairs are administered and it's open to people. So we are a republic because the people can administer the affairs of government. And we are a constitutional republic. So the expressed words, the written words in the document is the literal law. And if they're not in the document, then it's not the law. So whenever you say Congress makes law, it's like, whoa, what do you mean by that? Because the law Congress makes has to come from the grant of power that comes from the government, or it comes from the Constitution. If the Constitution does not grant the power, then nobody in government can use the power. But if the government presumes that it has the power, and you've got attorneys saying every charge has its own defense, what did that attorney just grant? That attorney just granted the presumption that all criminal charges are lawfully presumed. And you can't do that. I don't think that you should. The court systems will. The courts have a presumption that everything brought to them has been brought to them lawfully. And so you have to prove what the law is. So let's do, let's prove what the law is. Let's prove what the, I hope this makes sense. And I, I hope this is interesting because this literally is how to unlock this stuff. So let's go to our screen. Hopefully don't get locked up. United States Constitution, right there. United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 4. Article 1, Section 4. The times, places, manners of holding elections for senators and representatives. These are the senators and representatives that go to D.C. These are your U.S. senators and representatives. Shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. So the times, when you're going to do it, the places, where you're going to do it, and the manner, how you're going to do it, are prescribed, which means told, written down, prescribed, right? Prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. The state legislatures determine the times, places, and manners of holding elections for the federal officers. But, this is opposite, the Congress may at any time, at any time, by law, where's the law? The Constitution, make or alter such regulations. Such regulations. A regulation is not law. So the law, which is the Constitution, says that the times, manners, places of elections are going to be by the state legislature. That's the law because the Constitution says it. But if these state legislatures pass regulations or statutes or policies or codes that go against what the Congress can do, the Congress can at any time by law make or alter such regulations except to the places of choosing of senators. Now why is this? Because when the Constitution was written, there was no 17th Amendment and the senators were selected by the state legislatures. They weren't selected by voters. Now with the 17th Amendment that's been amended and so now the senators are, are, are voted in by direct, or excuse me, by popular election. But this right here is literally telling you that the state legislatures are in charge of elections for federal officers, for federal U.S. reps and, and uh, U.S. senators. Here's the executive branch. Article 2, Section 1. Each state... Each state shall appoint in manner as the legislature thereof may direct. So again, the state legislature may direct what? The electors that are then going to go elect the president. So you have in the Constitution, the state legislatures determine the time, place, manner of choosing of the U.S. reps and the U.S. senators. And the state legislatures choose 
the elected for president. Where are the where's the federal government granted power? What power is the federal government granted to mess with what is expressly given the domain of the states? This is why when you have Georgia charging President Trump about interfering with its election laws, it's like did what did President Trump do? What power did President Trump use in order to mess up the Georgia's elections? Because even if President Trump called Brad Raffensperger and he said, hey, go find this, even if you're going to use the most harmful anti-Trump uh, perspective on that, and you think that Trump is leaning on somebody, does Trump have the ability from his position to say there's fraud? Hey, Brad Raffensperger, you better go find that fraud. Does Trump? Can Trump do that? Yes, of course he can. And then what did Brad Raffensperger do? He said, no, I'm not going to do it which is what the law would afford Brad Raffensperger to do because Article 1, Section 4, the state legislatures prescribe the times, places, manners, and chooses of the U.S. representatives and the U.S. senators. And Article 2, Section 1, the state legislatures choose the electors. And the states don't have to do a popular election for the electors for president. They can do it at the state legislature if they wanted to. Your states could literally say, we don't want people, we don't want citizens in this state to vote for president. They could literally do that by law. But when people say the republic is dead, they don't even read the freaking document. They don't even read the constitution. They don't know the law. And because they don't know the law and the attorneys call itself a, a democracy, we're not even talking about what the law is. So let's go back to some of these uh, federal statutes. This is the... Um, Where's that? So that's going back. I want to go to, um, that's immigration. Here we go. What is this? This is the Help America Voter Act. You'll find that there's a lot of um, state uh, legislators right now that say, well, we have to go by the, the Help America Vote Act in 2002. Well, hold on. What was the purpose of this act? The Help America Vote Act of 2020, uh, 2002. To establish a program, a program is not a law. A program is not, uh, you know, a statute. A program is a is an entity. It's a process. But what was the purpose? To provide funds to states to replace punch card voting systems. The Help America Vote Act of 2002 is a is a collaborative program between the federal government and the state governments to do what? To provide funds to the states to punch their voting card systems. Now, hold on, give me your eyes. Do you think now that the states have shifted to this digital stuff, do you think that the, where do you think those funds went to? And if you look in your states, and your state constitutions, like in Oklahoma, says that there can be a state election board. And the state election chair is appointed by the governor. So the governor appoints the state election chair. He ain't elected. And he doesn't swear an oath of the constitution. He's appointed. So he's appointed. So it's, you know, he's appointed to this position. And he may administer. He's not enforcing the law. He's administering rules. And if the rules that he's administering are what? Tied to programs that provide funds to the state. Question, do you think the people that aren't sworn but are appointed, non-elected, and aren't enforcing the law, but are just administering programs designed to raise funds for state governments, do you think that they give a hot hoot about the efficacy of elections? The Republic is dead. Oh, Republic is dead. How about you read the laws? And you make an argument in the law. How about you understand how your government works? Why don't you take two seconds and read, what is the election federal election law? Google, what is the federal election law? And they're like, oh, Help America Vote Act of 2002. Oh, wow, that's amazing. How about we go to the next one? Because that public law was based on this public law. So let's go back to our screen. This public law is what? This is the National Voter Registration Act of 1993. And what is its purpose? To establish a national voter registration procedures for federal elections and for other purposes. Excuse me, what did our constitution say? Well, let's go to our let's go to our constitution. What was that? Legislature? What does the legislature have the ability to do in elections? 
The times, placings, manners, elections of representatives shall be prescribed in each state legislature thereof. Hold on, hold on. Because this law right here just said that the federal government is going to establish a national voter registration procedure. Question, where does it have that granted power? Where is the U.S. Congress, the legislature, granted the power to do this? Where are you guys granted the power to do a national voter registration procedures? Where Where's that granted? Because I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. And I can't find it. I can't find it. So if I can't find it, that means it ain't in the Constitution. Now let's go further. The findings. The findings. The Congress finds that. Hold on. Excuse me. Stop. 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 Give me your eyes. The Congress or any state legislature, any anybody in elected office, they can do an inquiry. They can do a committee. They can do an investigation. If you do an action committee, you can subpoena people. So you can bring people in for anything that you could make legislation on. Question. If the power to regulate elections is not given to the federal government, but is specifically prescribed to the state legislatures, what is the federal government doing conducting an inquiry that it can then find that there are disparities in elections? Where was it granted that authority? Because if the con if the Constitution doesn't grant the Congress the ability to you know legislate or write law on elections, what are they doing writing laws on elections? Moreover, what are they doing finding, concluding what? The right of the citizens of the United States to vote is a fundamental right. It's the duty. Here's this. The Congress found what? It's the duty of the federal, state, and local governments to promote the exercise of that right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Find me that. Where is that in your Constitution? Where is it in the Constitution that the Congress has the duty? You know what a duty is? Hold on. Give me your eyes. You know what a duty is? Where's the duty? Where's, where's my Black's Law? Where are we at? Oh boy, all right. Let's look up duty. Let's look up duty because this just said that Congress has a duty. We're looking up duty in our dictionary, Black's Law Dictionary, fourth edition. Duty, where's my camera? Get a pen, click the handy dandy. Duty, where are you at, duty, your duty. A human action which is exactly conformably to the laws which require us to obey them. A duty is what? A human action. A human. Why are we going after the machines? Because if the machines are counting ballots, they're performing a duty in elections. And an election and a, and a duty is what? A human action. Machines can't do human actions. A human action which is exactly conformable to the laws. To the laws. What's the law? The Constitution. Which require us to obey. So if we go back to our screen right here and we look at our constitution, what's the law say about the federal government's duty in elections? They can't. They can they can alter at any time by law, make or alteration such regulations. But they can't tell the states what to do. So why is the federal government in the Voting Act of 1993 saying it's the duty of the federal, state, and local governments. No, no, no. It might be the duty of the state government. It might be the duty of a local government. But it ain't your duty as a federal government. You see how they do that? They lump in federal, state, and local government all in one thing to promote the exercise of that right. Find me that in the Constitution, folks. Find me where it is the duty. Remember, duties have to be conformably to the laws. The law, the Constitution, Article 1, Section 4, the Fed's got no no power to tell the state governments what to do none and here's here's where they smuggle in the agenda discriminatory and unfair registration laws and procedures have a direct damaging effect on the voter participation hold on now you are right now saying that the registration procedures this is the this is their anchor you're saying that it's discriminatory but hold on now elections are the free participation of the people so you would have to say that these registration acts are stopping people from being able to register because they would be you know fully qualified voters that want to vote but can't vote because of what the state legislature is doing did the, do you think that they ever give evidence of that they just said it they just said it well we got to prevent discrimination 
this is this is why our politics that has been reduced to anger, fear, scarcity, and pride, and and, and, and you know and uh, you know anger, fear, scarcity, and pride. Our, our our politics have been reduced to anger, scare, scarcity, fear, and pride, so that we can say, well, black people aren't voting as much because white people hate them, so they can't vote. So we gotta we gotta accommodate the blacks. We gotta accommodate the gays. We gotta accommodate the pedophile. We gotta accommodate all these people because of discrimination. And it's like, you guys don't even have the granted power in the Congress to do what you're doing. You just presume it, and you're making people say you can't do that, so that you can clap back and call them a racist. You can say, well, you you don't like the registration of blacks to vote? Are you a racist? Are you Jim Crow? Are you a Nazi? See, we're making arguments in the law. We're saying you guys don't have that granted authority. You don't have that power to do what you're doing. So when they do it, they do it under the banner of politics that have formed people's thinking to be angry or uh, afraid or scarce, so they're greedy or they're prideful. This is my stuff. You can't come in here and do what I'm, you know, make an argument in the law, bro. Because you're not even arguing the law. What you're doing is you're hijacking people's thinking you're programming them to be oh i'm not i'm not a racist i'm not a racist i'm not a racist so yeah I'll, I'll, I'll vote for the i'll vote for the national voter registration act of 1993 i will absolutely do that why well because i don't want to be called racist of course i don't want to be called racist and if you go to it what's it say purpose the purpose of this act is what to establish procedures that will increase the number of eligible citizens who register to vote in elections for federal office so literally, Bill Clinton signed this thing into law for what purpose? To increase the number of voters. If voting happens in an election, elections are political events of the people that are, you know, the, the, they presuppose choice. If you're not registering, the government is saying you're not registering because America's racist and, and prejudicial and predatory against black people or minorities or whatever group. Whatever fig leaf they can tie onto this thing, they're saying America is evil, therefore we have to open up the gates to everybody. They don't have that granted authority. They don't actually prove it. And because they don't have a granted authority and they're not actually proving it, they're now doing what they're expressly not given the ability to do, which is to increase the number of registered voters. Where were you given that purpose? Is that your duty? Is your duty to increase the number of registered voters? So I get upset whenever big podcasters and big famous people that can get the big crowds and people listen to them and they talk about the promo codes, when they say the republic is dead, when Trump's own lawyers say that this is a democracy and every charge has its defense, it's like, you guys aren't even arguing what the law is. Do you even know? Because if you don't know what the law is and you're not arguing the law, you're just complaining. And you take that to the contrast, which is if you understand what the law is and you swear under penalty of perjury and you make a claim in the law, people won't want to touch that. They won't want to touch people who know their rights, are asserting their rights, and swearing by them. No one wants to mess with that. Because if you know what you're doing and you argue that you're one of the people, I'm one of the people with the right to free, open, free and open elections. Prove to me I'm not. Whenever I can show you in the state constitutions that I got that. We said we get to have free and open elections and no civil or military power will ever interfere. Okay? Now you guys go do your government, keep your elections free, keep them open, and don't mess with them. So now that they're messing with them, now that they're not free or open, who's got the power to go in there and change it? This is what Operation Josiah is. When you understand what the law is, when you understand what the government is, you can use power to do right. You can use power to get the law enforced. Because now you understand what's going on. Versus, oh, the Republic's dead. Did you, did you know that there's a lot of people that bad stuff is happening to? Oh, man. Uh, what, 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 what's your take on this? Well, my take is the radical left is destroying the country. Wow, that's an amazing take. What's your take on this? Well, thank you for asking. I'm from Harvard. So my take is the radical left is destroying the country. 
Wow, that's an amazing take. Hey, you are a recent convert who used to be a liberal, but now you're not a liberal, so that means you're a conservative. What do you think? Well, me and the, my babies, because I rented the womb of a woman because I'm in a homosexual marriage with another man, we rented the womb and we have this breast free, we have freezers full of breast milk. My take is, as a conservative and a former liberal, because you value my perspective as a former liberal, because it gives you the cultural undertone of your winning. So I think that the radical left is destroying the country. And it's like, y'all are stupid. Like every single one of you is dumb. You don't know what the law is. You don't study. You don't read. And you're just spewing the fact that you think stuff sucks. Is that what we're... Is that... Is, is that who we are? Is that is that what's going on? Is this who you left me for? Like you just... you, you we, We've gone to a lesser form of our nation. And we've been pied pipered there by people that are just saying, the radical left, this sucks, this sucks, the radical left. And it's like, is this it? Is this it? Because I just showed you what the law is. I just showed you what the Constitution is. And everybody in government swore to it. They all agreed to it. Well, Jared, did you know that the radical left has corrupted the courts? Okay, 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 okay. How about you tell a judge what the law is, swear to it, and then demand him perform his duty because he's a sworn trustee. And if he doesn't, he's, in, he's now attacking the Constitution. Why don't you tell the judge who's not going to do his sworn duty when he's given evidence that he's now warring, he's aiding and abetting those who are hostile to the beneficiaries of government. You tell him that. I don't care what their political agenda is. You tell that judge he's at war with the Constitution and you make that argument in the law? Hmm. Well, we, we've got to, we got to dismiss this case in the interest of justice. Amen. God bless. Get on my face. Now, why can we say that? Because government is instituted for our benefit. We have rights. The government must defend them. If you don't know what your rights are, if you don't know what the law is, the government will run roughshod over you because it'll take it'll presume that yeah, we have to increase the voter registration, of course, because we got to save the black people. We can't have a racist country, so yeah, pass the uh, Motor Vehicles Act of 1993. Go ahead and do it. And then in 2003 or 2002, nine but nine years later, we're going to come up with a program, and we're going to get rid of all these other machines. And we're going to get computer machines, but we're going to create a program where the states get money so they can get these machines because we all know they got to pay for it somewhere, and we don't want to raise taxes because of free market capitalism. Stupid morons. All right. <laughs> Listen, folks. I mean, at this point, it's... Uh, the gospel is what calms me. Because the gospel is what saves. God, the gospel is God's power to salvation. Jesus Christ saves. And the gospel is God's power unto that salvation. It is God's design. It's his plan. It is the one way to get back to him. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. Everybody you've ever known and everybody that will ever exist is a sinner and they deserve hell. Only Jesus, virgin born, sinless, died on the cross for our sins. His shed blood washed away those sins. They were etched into stone and God is going to punish them, but that blood washes them away because God poured his wrath out on Christ. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. I can't buy it. And there's some days that even though I understand it, when you really start to investigate the depths of the love that's that's present, it blows me away. And one of the reasons why I get upset about basic stuff is that whenever you understand the basics, you'll recognize how distraught and distracted, deceived you were on the flowery, fancy stuff. The gospel is bread and butter. The gospel is basic. The gospel is rock. The gospel is victorious. It's glorious. And when Jesus physically rose from the grave, he said, go teach all the nations to obey. Teach them, not force them. I don't want to compel people to go to Christ. I want to teach them to. And that teaching is going to be pro proclaiming the gospel. It's going to be living 
as as Jesus would to imi- to be imitators of him but it's also going to be not taking crap and not accepting lesser forms of truth just because they're expedient or just because I want to yoke with someone who's got a bigger platform or I want to build a majority because I think we need a majority to get stuff that we want can't do that I won't do that I want to preach the gospel. The gospel is for everybody. It's for everybody. The people I politically disagree with, the people that I personally don't like, it is for them. Because it's for me. And this is the great equalizer. The great equalizer is not a gun. The great equalizer is the cross. Because it's only at the cross do you find salvation from your sins because that's where your sins were already paid for. By Jesus. He was buried. Three days later, he was physically risen from the grave. And now I get the opportunity. I am blessed to serve and to fight for him. I learn stuff every day. I'm not perfect. I fail a ton. I've learned that God's uh, one of God's main tactics of teaching is uh, pain and fire and destruction. When, when things look horrible in your life, do you give it to him and say, I have no idea what you're doing, but I trust you and you're good. That's that's increasingly easy for me to do, but that was hard. It was hard for me to do that because there were so many things that I held, you know, I, I, I held him high, but I would hold other stuff like close to him. It would be like God and then like family, like right below him. And it's like, no, it is God and then family is well below. Nation, country is well below. People say God, family, country. It's like, no, it's it's Christ. <laughs> it's Christ. And because Christ is good, Christ will give. Christ will protect. Christ will provide. Christ will endure. Christ will help. He will save. Christ. Don't put anything in on the same line with him. Don't, don't put them in the same sentence with Oxford commas. It's Christ. It's Christ. Appreciate your time. God bless you. Believe the gospel. Um, there's ways you can support. I would appreciate your support. One of the ways is the patriotswitch.com. Take the dollars that you're already spending and switch it over. I think that would be a great thing. If it's not for you, that's fine. No harm, no foul. There are other ways that say support Jaren in the uh, the bot and the, the description box. You can do recurring gifts, one-time gifts, whatever you want to do. Then there's premium air-roasted coffee at humblewb.coffee. Humblewb.coffee. Air-roasted coffee is 1% of coffees. And so it's going to be better than you know 99% because it's not drum-roasted. You don't load up a bunch of fake stuff with it. It's the way, it's coffee the way that God designed it. It's organic. It's pure. No preservatives. Those are ways to help me. Those are things that I'm doing. Uh, get your common law materials, the common law seminar. Get lawful elections at Operation Josiah. That link is in the description below. If you want to learn how to do this stuff, Operation Josiah is aimed at getting lawful elections. And it is a sequential, self-paced, common law action. So if you don't know how to do all this stuff, go to the links, click, and then go through the steps and you'll learn what this is. One of my purpose, besides main focus, is preaching the gospel. In addition to that, or one way I do that, I should say, one way I preach the gospel is I'm now getting people back to the law. I'm getting people back to the fundamentals. I'm getting people back to what is written. I'm getting people back to what they can prove. I believe in a time of corruption, chaos, tumult, murkiness, however Rush said it. One of the easiest things you can do is say, what is written? And then the answer should be, it is written. That was Jesus' argument. If it works for the if it works for my king, it should work for the servants. Amen. God bless. Appreciate your time, Lord Willen. I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Do not quit. Go to war.